this is the KPRC Podcast. I'm your host, Ibrahim Mazidi. There are many cultural elements that should be taken into account when providing mental health services in Kuwait. Join me and psychotherapist Ghazlan Dubish as we review some evidence regarding these issues. And oftentimes, you will hear us citing a paper entitled Culturally Sensitive Social Work Practice with Arab Clients in Mental Health Settings by Alain al Kranawi and John Graham. Ghazlan, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Uh, I'd like you to introduce yourself. Yes. And so I am a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I'm licensed in the state of Massachusetts in the United States of America. Um, I studied clinical social work and my focus or concentration was health and mental health. Um, I also completed a program in neuroscience um, and my graduate degrees. Uh, so I have a, a bit of an interesting intersection of a couple of fields. Um, I am a psychotherapist uh, before coming to Kuwait or moving back to Kuwait. Um, I worked for a little bit in Boston Medical Center uh, in Massachusetts as um, a psychiatric clinician um, in the psych emergency room and as an outpatient psychotherapist in the psychiatry department. Um, so interesting uh, setting in term for a social worker, okay? Um, not uh, typical uh, unless you choose the clinical route. Um, and choose to focus on health and mental health specifically. There are other concentrations in social work, children, youth, and family, um, uh, immigration, and all of that uh, other good stuff. Uh, for me, it was health and mental health, which is something I've been uh, passionate about for a, for a long time now. I'd like to know maybe a bit more about, because you've practiced in, in Boston. Correct. And you've been back here, and you, you've started working, and you've started to see maybe the differences uh, uh, in in maybe approaches differences mm -hmm. in in may how you should approach a person and this is probably going to be tied into what we're going to discuss yes. today. So, what are some things that you've noticed on a personal level? Um, some differences that are maybe crucial to our yes. understanding as yeah. mental health professionals. Yeah. So, I think the biggest thing, which I think I expected, but yet was still a little bit taken back by when I actually started my practice here, um, is how much of a collectivist society we are. And so when I'm sitting with someone in the office, I am not just sitting with them, I am sitting with them and what they carry in terms of their family, their reputation, their uh, work, their social circle. And so it's a lot more um, uh, stuff on the plate, mm. if we could say, mm. you know, the, the, the plate is bigger and, yeah. and there's a lot more on it. Um, and I have to be cognizant of that. Um, it's not, you know, it's not as simple as you're here to talk about your mental health and I am here to help you uh, uh, improve whatever mental health uh, challenges um, um, or disorders you're struggling with. It's a lot more than that. Um, I think privacy also has um, been a big theme. Uh, people want to come on uh, during specific times. They want to make sure when they're leaving, you know, no one is there, the waiting areas. Um, so that's essentially to talk about stigma. You know, stigma is, stigma related to mental health is, is everywhere. Okay, it's in, in, um, in the U.S., it's here, it's in other countries. Uh, I think the severity, I guess, and the presentation of that stigma uh, looks different. Mm -hmm. Um, so stigma, I think, is a big topic, uh, you know, in our field in Kuwait. Again, because it's a very collectivist society, uh, the person who's coming to seek treatment is bringing in a lot more than just their individual uh, uh, well-being. Mm -hmm. And what are some ways you feel like we could possibly work around that? Yeah. You know, I don't think there's a clear answer. Okay. I think it's more of a, um, something you work on and kind of not experiment with, but as you continue to practice and see more people, you kind of figure out almost a, a, a way to work around the system. Um, because right now, you, we cannot just change it. It's so very complex. So. It's going to take uh, a lot of effort and, and a lot of time. 
Um, and so it's a matter of, I think, clinicians finding out ways to work around the system while maintaining uh, their objectives um, mm -hmm. in terms of uh, uh, treatment and um, assuring privacy, which is very big, okay, and confidentiality, um, and just being um, um, approachable. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, I also notice, for example, a big difference when I was uh, working in Boston. Um, I have patients come into my office, I'll do an assessment, we'll do therapy, whatever it is. It's a formal relationship. It's a provider and, and client slash patient relationship. Here people most likely know you or know someone that you know. It's a very small society. Small, small town. Small yeah. town. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Um, and so people want to be more friendly. Mm -hmm. Okay, They want to ask you, how are you? Uh, they want to know who you are, um, your family. Um, that brings a sense of um, assurance, I think, and comfort for them. And that's something I personally had to figure out, like, how much am I willing to share? Or how more relaxed uh, or laid back am I willing to be with my clients um, while at the same time maintaining a, a professional relationship? Um, so these are things I feel like as you practice more, you kind of figure out your own uh, liking or what works for you and the people that you're serving specifically, and everyone is different. Yes. Um, at the same time, it makes it hard to have a clear code of ethics. Um, for uh, clinicians, I'm talking specifically maybe about psychotherapists. I think for psychiatry, because you guys are doctors, you have a clear... Do you guys have a clear code of ethics in Kuwait? You do. Yes, we in do. Of course, we do. Right? Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. So it's clear. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know where to. Yeah. You know where. What are your boundaries? And, and it's protected uh, by the law. It's for you and, and for the patient. For psychotherapists, we don't have that in Kuwait. Mm. Um, and so I think what values also um, you ascribe to personally uh, matter. Okay, protect, uh, protecting uh, your patient's confidentiality, uh, not abusing that your, your privileges as a provider who gets a lot of access uh, mm -hmm. uh, into information otherwise you would not have access to. Yes. Um, I'm keeping in mind that everyone knows everyone and you probably know someone in your patient's life or mm -hmm. know their family or they know your family. Um, and so I am still very uncomfortable with this idea of like, I have to be my own ethical compass mm -hmm. and I have to keep myself accountable um, moving forward uh, without knowing if this is something that I'm going to get help with from you know other professionals, from an entity in Kuwait. That, that's something I hope that would change. And I think it's very, 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 very important uh, because of what maybe we're going to be talking about uh, today a lot, uh, culture. Of course. Okay, culture is a big part of, of our practice and having a code of, ethic to, uh, uh, code of ethics to guide our practice in a collectivist society طبعًا, where طبعًا. culture is a big part of identity, big part of socialization and uh, integration in, in, in uh, society um, is crucial. طبعًا. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, to add on what you're saying, Ghazlan, I feel like sometimes the challenge is um, trying to uh, navigate ourselves in Kuwait mm -hmm. between making sure uh, you are practicing in a legal way, mm -hmm. you know, respecting the local law here, because yeah. it's different, and at the same time navigating through the cultural cues that are spoken and unspoken. Yes. And we're going to talk a bit about that yes. in your paper. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and at the same time, getting the results that are good for the client. Yes. You know, the person who's asking for help, uh, trying to help them as much as you can. And I feel like this is the main, this is where we try to navigate through. Um, a lot of the challenges that we is are related to trying to sort things out with the family, for yeah. 
فذس از ميبي هاز مور امبورتنس هالجزء من العالم من اماكن ثانيه اوذو ايم شور فاميليز ار انفولفد ايفريوير سو ويزاوت فذر ادو ذس ليتس ستارت توكينج اباوت ذس وندرفول بيبر يوف ديسايد تو شير اون اور بودكاست كود يو تيل اس ا بيت اباوت ات So uh, this is a paper on culturally sensitive social work practice with Arab clients in mental health settings. Um, so this paper was uh, put together for uh, providers or um, uh, uh, clinicians that are not operating in Arab slash Middle Eastern uh, uh, settings. Mm. This is m- largely for a Western uh, uh, setting. Um, and part of the reason I shared it is because look at, you know, people in the Western world thinking about how to deal with our culture with, with and Arabs. their setting. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like a review of the literature. Yeah. And I was it's, it's like, she's the person who the author yeah. um, coded multiple studies yeah. in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her name is Alian Al-Kreinawi. and. Okay. Um, This paper was published in the year 2000. So it covers, let's say, it focuses more on the psychosocial aspects of the biopsychosocial model of practice and the importance of learning about your client culture and society mm-hmm. and, and how that affects your practice and how that even affects if we were to like maybe jump a bit forward in uh, uh, our thinking a presentation of uh, mental illness yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I must say upon reading it uh, I did feel a certain orientalist vibe yes um, but Yeah, I'm, I'm not one of these people who is very sensitive about like, oh, no, oh how dare you speak <laughs> about our culture. If you know, they're very sensitive about yeah. this. I, I've noticed recently. Yes, yes. Um, but there are that are really beneficial in this paper. And I feel like if we can take from it uh, things that are applicable, because there's a lot of evidence that's being quoted here. And uh, maybe the, the, the parts related to acculturation, immigrants, uh, Arab immigrants in the West is not applicable. Mm-hmm. Um, but... the issues of cultural expectations and mental health services. And I do have uh, maybe my own, I might be able to shed some of my own experience with yes, some of these clients to, to, towards uh, the, the many topics that are being presented. Uh, and um, some of it might be true in, in Arabs, but it's maybe not true with uh, the local Arabs. Yes. So, um, so I wanted to, to start off with the section that says guidelines for mental health practice with ethnic clients and start off with the whole idea of mental health services and stigmatization. Um, so it mentions here in your paper that the stigma of mental health services could damage marital prospects. Mm-hmm. It could increase the likelihood of separation yeah, or divorce. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it could be used, uh, this, is the, this is the most, uh, for me, the most prominent line mm-hmm. that came out. It could be used by a husband mm-hmm. or his fam- family as leverage. As leverage. Yeah. for obtaining a second wife. Very interesting stuff. <laughs> is it true though? Mm. It is, right? And mm. maybe it's uncomfortable for us to face the realities um, or the reality of how stigma uh, uh, represents itself in our culture. And I think it, it was very interesting for me. You said I had a very Orientalist vibe. Yes. And a lot of it is true. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe uh, a part of the Um, issue or part of uh, what I've been observing in the short amount of time that I've been back is that acknowledging that there is an issue to begin with is hard. Whatever, they have schizophrenia or bipolar. Mm. It's not easy. It's not easy. Yani, when you think about um, helping someone to reach a point where they can acknowledge that there is an issue. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about treatment or intervention. We want to uh, bring it to their awareness that this is a real issue. This is not, I'm just tired of 
ولا this is not you know some other mystical ideas that some people in in our culture might have, although they exist, but those are two separate things, right? Have you noticed this with maybe Arabs you've worked with even in in Boston, Ghazlan? Yeah, do you feel like that it sometimes is used as leverage to for marriage prospects for marriage prospects because I've heard some people in Kuwait they say in they ask إنه والله هل عنده ملف بالطب النفسي which is shocking I'm like what if the person has like an anxiety exactly and they had the courage to face their fears or what if they had bipolar or schizophrenia so what right is it different than them having diabetes or hypertension or I totally agree. I mean, all 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 mental illness in all its forms, but even I mean, even the 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 more common ones like anxiety. That we all. Menu fina ma and anxiety. Yes, menu fina ma mera. Yumkin mfatra basita men al depression or or depression anxiety. I I completely agree with you. Or you know, being so stressed and and overwhelmed that that might manifest into generalized anxiety or or adjustment disorder or whatever it is. To answer your question, when I was working in Boston Medical Center, I was the only Arabic-speaking clinician. Wow. And so I got all of the referrals for Arabic-speaking patients because they didn't like having a translator. They felt like a lot of the meaning got lost. And so I was actually funneled a large number of Arabic-speaking patients during my time there. And a lot of which were Muslim. But when you asked me, I remember you had a specific question about marriage prospects and using that as leverage. I remembered a specific case I was working on where, you know, this middle-aged woman started dealing with a lot of medical conditions, unexpected medical conditions that required some hospitalization, and. Her husband completely abandoned her. As soon as she was discharged, she started experiencing some symptoms of depression. Okay, who and then in return that, يعني تفاقم الوضع وصار a major depressive episode. Completely abandoned her, and and married another woman. Although it wasn't explicitly told that that uh, her struggles were used as leverage for her husband to um, uh, marry someone else, uh, I think you know that it is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't feel comfortable drawing the connection, uh, but uh, I think there we have an example that I've actually witnessed and worked okay. with someone. Um, Okay. How, how do you think, uh, as mental health providers and professionals, how can we go about that, maybe, if we're ever uh, getting that sense yeah. and that this might be possibly harming someone's? What are some ideas, maybe, if you might think we could... You mean in terms of the client or in terms the, of the significant client. other? In terms of the client, yeah. in terms of the way we deal with hi- their significant other? Yeah. It's a tricky, it's a tricky question. For sure. Um, and I think it's tricky regardless of where you're practicing, in Kuwait or the U.S. or any other country. Um, because as a therapist or even as a psychiatrist, you're only working with the patient. Whoever is with you and the person is what you have power to uh, uh, help with, right? You cannot control the wife or the husband who's not there who's not in the room with you mm-hmm. or the family member or the friend who says all of these things that are less than helpful yes and so for me and i think this is something in my practice in kuwait that i have to provide my uh, patients with the support and the tools to manage that mm-hmm. okay I cannot offer a solution. I cannot quote unquote fix that. I cannot quote unquote change that. Um, but I can sit with you in the room in that discomfort, in that pain, in that struggle, um, 
we can brainstorm some tools of uh, how you can manage this when you're not sitting in the room with me. Um, whether if it's something that causes you a lot of uh, anxiety and maybe panic attacks, then let us uh, look a little bit um, more at what kind of uh, distorted thoughts are coming up mm -hmm. and how they're manifesting in, in, into anxiety and okay. fear and behaviorally, what do they cause you to do? And has it been helpful or not? And if it hasn't been, how can we change that? That's wonderful. Sometimes I also feel, uh, Ghazlan, sometimes it's helpful. Um, so when I'm dealing with a, a client um, that I when I speak to the, the significant other, when they come and they ask about the, so the situation, mm. when I normalize it to them, yeah. when I make it sound like it's nothing really serious, it happens, yeah. that way it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So that way the, the, the husband, he doesn't take it, uh, yeah, you know, oh, oops. Uh, he doesn't go into that, uh, you know? You know, I, I've been doing that too. But at the same time, at the back of my mind, I have this concern of what if there is a power dynamic I'm unaware of? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What if this is information uh, that, uh, whether it's, you know, um, uh, what if this is information that the spouse can use to manipulate, okay. abuse? Um, so I'm very careful with that. And this is, again, going back to having this clear code of ethics. What are the lines for consent? Okay. code of ethics. couples, please just tell my husband that what I'm going through, he's been very worried. For sometimes, Anna, I always ask myself, is this actual consent? Or is this something they talked about before they came to my office and they're like, you have to tell her to talk to me at the end. Mm -hmm. And that right? And that scares me. And there isn't anything I can do to figure out. And so again, even the way I communicate to a spouse or a family member about the condition of the person that I'm treating or working with um, is something that I have to be very aware um, of. Mm -hmm try to normalize it as much as I can and, and not give a lot of details or any, preferably, um, you know. The without consent, of course. Of course, tab and consent is consent a is, yeah. huge, uh, you know, huge thing. You have to get con consent, preferably uh, on paper, not yes. just verbal, uh, to, to, protect, to protect your patient and to protect yourself, because um, you never know. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, I think we covered that very well. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to go on to the, 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 the second topic, yes. which is the core of what we're going to be talking yeah. about today, the cultural expectations. Yes. Um, and some, an interesting point I came across in this paper. Uh, they mentioned the, the patriarchal structure of the Arab families. Mm -hmm. Not only the Arab families, <laughs> even the Iranian families, mm -hmm. uh, in a study by Jalali in 1982, mm -hmm. which actually, and I was like, this is so interesting. A lot of the things that are mentioned here are related to the area which we're working in. Because, you know, Kuwait, in its geographical location, you have, um, you have cultures from all over. You have a bit of Iraq, you have a bit of Iran, and you have a bit of uh, Saudi Arabia. So this is, was very interesting when you mentioned that you, you address the father first as the head of the family, and you shouldn't attempt to change the, the, the power hierarchies. You, yes. you don't touch those hierarchies because this is actually going to alienate the family yeah. whom you need yeah. to actually help the to help with treatment and, and the process of treatment yeah um, this is actually a very good transition uh, from what we were just talking about which i think was gender if we haven't identified the, the topic or the section very clearly um, gender is a big part in, in uh, Everywhere, yeah. <laughs> okay, so maybe particularly <laughs> uh, here because because of the culture. Um, I haven't done any family therapy sessions in Kuwait, but I would imagine that this would be applicable, uh, or imagine this coming up, um, sitting in a room with um, the parents and the kids, um, addressing, you know, the father first or yes whomever represents themselves as the head of the family, you know, grandfather, uncle. Um, I had a case uh, um, 
where I was working with a child, this was in Boston, I was working with a child um, and the primary caregiver of the child was uh, the paternal grandfather. But the paternal grandfather was very old and so he wasn't able to come with the child to treatment and so the uncle was bringing the child to treatment. And so um, the uncle and the aunt actually and uh, this is a, a Middle Eastern family. Mm -hmm. um, and I <laughs> talked to the aunt, okay, thinking, I don't know why I assumed that the, the aunt was closer to the child. And I got yelled at. Wow. Um, I am, I'm, I'm the man, I'm the one in charge here, and it was completely disrespectful for you to, to, to uh, um, not direct... Uh, whatever you're saying uh, towards me and so again um, it's very relevant and it's uh, very I think uh, present maybe in specific families as opposed to I want to say maybe to all, to all families um, and yeah, and I wouldn't generalize it really in all families uh, especially yes, in Kuwait some families it depends because on the culture of the family yeah, right yeah, yeah. And I feel like uh, a lot of, from what I see, I mean, a lot of families are actually seem to be matriarchal, and that, mm. uh, and it's very interesting to see we that. We can talk about that after the podcast. <laughs> after the podcast, because <laughs> uh, I see, I see the, the the contrast is very uh, powerful, and mm. sometimes uh, the the mother might say, "Why, why are you uh, talking to his, uh, the father? Yeah. He has nothing to do with this. He's mm. in his own little bubble." Mm. And, and it's, it's interesting to see that. But that's still patriarchal. Mm. Do you want me to elaborate? Go ahead, yeah, or of course. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Please elaborate. Well, I think um, in the small amount of time that I've been here, and I can be wrong, this is merely an observation, um, there is this experience among, amongst families that the mother is takes on the role of a, a primary caregiver and the father takes the role of a financial provider mm -hmm. okay and so you have uh, kids that are dealing with um, behavioral issues issues at school or maybe some mental health concerns like anxiety let's say or, or panic disorder and they feel like this is something they can voice to their mom but not their dad. And so the mom takes them to get it checked out, to get the treatment, and then somehow the dad becomes involved. Um, but it's like, oh, where have you been all this time? But again, this is, a, again, a very specific patri patriarchal um, uh, slash stereotypical uh, 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 example of mm -hmm. family roles, right? Definitely. Again, which is something that I think is relevant to what we're talking about today, family family Definitely. roles, gender roles. 100%. Um, and so a lot of mothers, I've been seeing that they're like, oh, so now you want to get involved? You know, where have you been? And then I'm like... Ah, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's a very interesting topic. Yeah. For, uh, that should be a, another podcast for Definitely. to really to go into that. <laughs> but, uh, but really, I mean, family and when... Like when we, we we meet with families, mm. um, when I was reading this, because this is so this is so real. Yeah. If I don't first say hi or say hello and I shake hands to to the yeah. to the oldest uh, male figure yeah. with me, yeah. the management will be halas. It's going to be taken to a path that yeah. I la yeah, yeah. sometimes even when the the, the older uh, male figure mm. is interrupting I have to be I'm like, okay it's fine mm. we'll give you a chance even if he's providing speculation <laughs> to, to what he thinks is going wrong yeah. and uh, sometimes you have to sort of you know it should you know yes. and then try to find a way to not lose this person yes. but at the same time allow him to understand that the client or the patient they are the ones who need the, the, the help and the attention the most Rahim, I have a question for Tell you. Um, this is something that comes up a lot or that came up a lot in my study and training. For you as a psychiatrist, is this something, uh, you know, taking culture into consideration and these things that we're talking about, how do you 
How did you come across this stuff? Is it through practice, or is it something that they that are that is now being integrated into your into training? So, just to clarify, so I'm uh, starting a psychiatry residency, uh, and uh, I am a medical doctor. So I've, I've studied general medicine, and I've worked a few years in internal medicine, and I was actually specializing in that. But then I changed course. But in any case, I feel like a lot of what um, what I'm mentioning is down to really just experience, uh, seeing things firsthand, being yeah. thrown in unexpected situations mm. where I had to really deal with it. And then you, a lot of it is down to trial and error. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is uh, stuff like uh, studies and, and, reading, and uh, reading studies, reading studies yeah. and things that, that talk about being culturally sensitive. Yes. Uh, but I, I would say a lot of it is comes down to a deeper understanding of the place where you're working. Mm. You need having that deep understanding of, طيب, we're Kuwaiti, and an Arab, an Arab, and a Kabarna bin Mukan, and Arab, you know, dynamic, and Arab, you know, the Mafrud, the Mafrud Bengal, by the way, a lot of uh, a lot of people talk about these cultures, and you've talked about sociology and all these things. And history fascinates me. They talk about how mujtamaatna, a lot of the rules are unwritten and unspoken yeah. uh, because of uh, you know some some people might regulate, some people might not want to write things or mm -hmm. not say things. Mm -hmm. So the rules are unspoken, and it's important to to really and in these rules. وفي expectation إن أنت عارف الروز هذه وإذا أنت معرفها it's almost like where have you been all this time exactly um, and so there is the expectation which if anything it makes our role as providers in the mental health field more complicated mm. you have to be aware of all of these unspoken cultural cues right yes uh, all of these uh, unwritten rules um, that uh, your patients or clients are coming with the expectation that you already know all of this stuff and they don't have okay. to tell you. I, I want to bring up the issue of the female male social work. Uh, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? We talked a lot aspect of uh, the patient mm -hmm. or the client, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What about us as providers, oh. right? Uh, let's say you and I sit in a room, yes. okay, and we have a client come in um, and uh, let's say we have a, a male client for the <laughs> purposes of uh, this example. Idish u'ana asawil assessment or idish u'anta tawil assessment. Ubnihayat al assessment, ana mumkin agwilla, ya flan, ana liyom sawetlik psych eval, diagnostic assessment. And I think you have, uh, um, I think you have some type of mood disorder. I would like to see a couple more times to uh, get the diagnosis yani, accurate. Um, and I think um, if you do that, I would like to refer you to a psychiatrist. If you, if I find out that, let's say you have bipolar, I would like to refer you to a psychiatrist. And I, I give them a tentative treatment plan. This is a guy. And then you do the same thing. How do you think the, the patient or the client's response is going to be to me versus uh, to you as a... Very different. Yeah. Very different. Mm. And I don't... Um, yeah, I just feel like it's going to be... The dynamic is going to be very different. Uh, the With me, he's probably going to uh, either see me, depending on his age, mm. you know, also. Mm. Uh, he's either going to see me as... Uh, just a random guy who he could come across, but duaniyeh. You know, and then this this uh, culture of taal fulfulli. You know, bro, yeah, as a brother. Um, and maybe with a, a female uh, therapist, I would assume that um, maybe he would, yeah, I don't know, he would speak to her maybe as uh, a sister or. It depends on the on the, hmm. the interaction. I don't know. Okay. I uh, had something entirely different in my mind. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's say let's say um, keep in mind I'm a clinical social worker, I'm a woman. Yeah. You are a psychiatry resident yeah. and you're a man. So um, in social work and this has been also um, 
my experience uh, well, and during my practice abroad, um, they're like, what do you know? You're a social worker. Uh, okay? And yeah, I get all of these older men who ask me, well, what are your qualifications again? Mm. How long have you been doing this for? Uh, no, no, no. Actually, I think it's this. It's not what you're saying. I'm fine. Whereas... And so in the place that I used to work in Boston, I worked in a team, an um, interdisciplinary team. Everyone on my caseload uh, um, had a team of providers, uh, a multidisciplinary team. And so the psychiatrist that, I, that was covering all of the people on my caseload was a, was a guy. Um, and the minute I get those reaction, reactions from clients and I'm like, hold up, let me get Dr. So-and-so and he can, you know, uh, or you can ask Dr. So-and-so, and the minute he explains it, it's non-negotiable. A doctor, um, a man, um, you know, if we're talking about the patriarchy and, <laughs> and gender, right? It's, uh, it's a different dynamic, it's uh, a different dynamic. Uh, definitely. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to add on that, mm. uh, that also puts expectations on the doctor. Mm. And I think we're going to mention this to be more assertive, assertive and to, yes. to have more of a not a collaborator role, yes, but I more completely of agree. this is because they tell me what to do. Uh, and you being that male figure doctor, uh, they want you to tell what to do. And sometimes I feel like some of the female um, psychiatrists or female psychotherapists, mm. they have also uh, certain strengths mm. that can be uh, tapped into with these patients that I can't. Uh, you see what I mean? I agree. For example, if we were to play uh, uh, the devil's Double advocate, advocate. devil's advocate's yeah. um, role, a lot of men, in my experience, feel more feel more comfortable opening up and being vulnerable with a female provider. Again, that is. Um, I can see that. I can. Cultural slash patriarchal. Mm. Um, it's, um, and, 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 you know, I know there is a flip side to this. We'll also talk about maybe in a little bit, but waktil uh, assertiveness. Uh, I want someone who t to tell me, you know, what do I need to do? What do, I want this male doctor figure. But the moment I want to talk about a difficult childhood experience, I cannot talk to that figure. Mm. I feel more comfortable talking to someone who's quote unquote more approachable. And because of the socialization of people in of our gender. culture and, and gender, exactly, that role of someone who is more approachable is uh, uh, a woman. Mm -hmm. So we can use that to our advantage, maybe, as. Uh, or we can. I mean, well, of course, we, we, the, 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 the greater goal <laughs> yes. would be to break down these uh, barriers. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Big without task, a doubt. right? Without a doubt. Without Takes oh, time. How do, you, how do you get around that? I mean, yani, if, if you're with a client, and, and mm. here it mentions the, the male-female dynamic, mm. um, and it says the best approach would be to refer to the client as uh, my sister, Mm. My brother, mm. ha I'm, I'm curious, have you ever, I'm uh, maintaining minimal eye contact and appropriate physical distances. Mm. Uh, very interesting. Have you <laughs> tried to use that? I'm, I'm curious. Um, in the U.S. Okay. Yes, I would, especially if they identified as Muslim, they would always call me sister. Sister, okay. Yes. Uh, sister Ghazlan, good morning. Sister Ghazlan, how are you? Very interesting. Yeah, sister. Uh. Um, I did a lot of uh, community work as well in mosques in uh, Boston, and it's the say it's the language it's the language of the culture. Language of the right? culture there. Okay. Uh, maybe not in Kuwait. Yeah. Maybe uh, Would that work? Mm. Do you think? Hmm. I haven't tried that. Uh, I haven't tried that would be that. interesting. Yeah. Um, but um, figuring out what kind of language to use yani i was uh, i watched uh, i came across a, a, an instagram post uh, by a doctor uh, not a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist who was asking the audience and uh, he had uh, an older woman come into his office with her son and he addressed her by her name and the son got very offended that he didn't call her hajia or khalti or something like that or or ummi even though this doctor was an older man. 
And so, again, figuring out the language of the culture and these unspoken rules, right? Um, it's interesting. It's not clear, and it's a matter of figuring that out. And I think maybe in our work, it's a bit more layered and complex because we are forming a relationship, a therapeutic relationship, and that looks very different than uh, your typical doctor-patient relationship. Um, and so, you know, how you're addressing the person, how they're addressing you, it goes into, uh, it goes into all of uh, the work that you're doing. Um, I don't know which part specifically, uh, uh, يعني, uh, they were uh, uh, talking about in the paper in terms of my sister, my brother, whether it's يعني, for providers specifically in a Western setting, working with the Middle Eastern uh, population or mm-hmm. it would be interesting yeah. <laughs> okay I'd, I'd like to add an interesting point here uh, and if we're going to wrap up this section it says here that in for the ethnic Arab it is more important to build a relationship mm. than to solve a problem mm. wow mm. why do you think that's the case well, if we were to also build on what the paper went on to say, it's that it has um, a lot to do with trust. And building trust is through building a relationship, right? Which you is true for yes. all cultures, and right? Yes. But we are talking about this collectivist society, I need to build this, uh, I need to know you well enough to, to help build you. this trust, to help you, or at the same time, reassure you that I am not going to go and talk about your business with others. Um, per- personally, uh, just to add, I feel like this point is beyond important in Kuwait and in the Khalid and in the Arab countries. I feel like that should be, you know, you, a lot of the effort should be spent there. <laughs> making that, making sure that relationship is clear for both the, 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 the patient or the, the client and the, the, the doctor. Um, and really getting them to the point where they can actually trust you because mm-hmm. as, as is mentioned later on in the paper, trust is a big issue in, yeah. in our cultures. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it has to do with shame. Uh, what if this doctor, بالذات إنه كويتي, هذا الدكتور يمكن يعرف أحد من أهلي يمكن يعرف أحد من يال عمامي وإذا قاعد بدواني وتكلم إذا فgetting that person ترى it's it's so challenging and it takes time it takes time and so then people are like oh I've seen you three times why am I not feeling better yet why haven't I been like helped or fixed or what are we doing and I'm like we're building a relationship and that takes time and I know if I jump uh, head first into uh, uh, some type of intervention, mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to uh, uh, receive that well. What are some things you feel uh, work uh, in building this relationship, especially with the local? Uh yeah, I think for me personally, uh, trying to be as much as possible uh, trying to be as as approachable as I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is across the board, not just ever since I started practicing in Kuwait, having genuine cu- curiosity in, in, in the person mm. you're sitting in the room with. I'm genuinely interested in you, in what you're going through, and in learning about you, uh, without even just... Uh, uh, I'm interested so I can help you. No. I am just curious and interested as a person. As a person, Jamil. exactly, and so like really basic human connection, <laughs> right? Because um, that's that's what it is at the end of the day. Um, when we take away all of these different uh, 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 layers and all of the big language and words, what we're doing in mental health, we're we're building connections and using those human, personal, intimate connections um, to help others. That should be our slogan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write that down. I'm going to write that down. Okay. So, interventions and context. 
Um, so it says here that the in the Western approach, the emphasis is usually on the individual. Mm. However, mm. in Arab cultures, you're actually do, you have to yeah. approach the family, the extended family, the community, the, the tribal the background, tribe, the yeah. tribe, <laughs> the family name. I have had instances in Islam where I remember uh, I just mentioned to this person that I acknowledged or I knew yeah. and it was random. I'm not really like really good at this. Well versed. <laughs> not really. Same. But I, I came across, because I love history, and I came across this this book and I was like, oh, so you belong to that that tribe like a thousand years ago. And the guy was like, how the hell did you know this? Mm. And I was like, wow, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Mm. But it developed amazing rapport with the person. Wow. And when they're a bit older, they're more likely to be yeah. like, okay, you're yeah. a person who, who knows who, yeah. you, know, you know what you're talking you know about. people, you know what you're <laughs> you know doing, yeah, you know. Yeah, which is so interesting, because this is what, when I read this, I was like, wow, this is so important. What's your take on that? Ibrahim, I think that's a great point, and I'm so glad you bring that up. Boston, mm -hmm. Boston, it was just that I was another Middle Eastern Muslim woman. To them, that was like, oh, okay, so you're one of us. Mm -hmm. We can talk. We, we can, you know, we can, we can do this. In Kuwait, it's like, oh, so you are from this family. Mm. Um, oh, so you have this uh, uh, origin. Uh, you have this background. Um, I trust I trust you with my care, with my uh, with my life, or I trust my child with you. I don't work based with on that. Based on that, wow. so I don't work with kids, but I work with teenagers and adolescents above the age of fifteen, depending on on the presentation <laughs> as well. Uh, why do you need teenagers? Um whom nas min qabail معينة or different backgrounds. Uh, they want to schedule an appointment or whatever. Wow. Okay. Uh, for a woman, and I don't know if this is something, I don't, I don't think this is something men deal with in Kuwait. And we, I remember I had a case where the mother specifically wanted uh, her teenage daughter to work with a uh, uh, a woman who wears the hijab. Mm -hmm. But when she knew what family origin I had, that overlooked that and she was like, okay, Very so I can, so I trust you with my daughter, wow. even though you don't wear the hijab. Very, very interesting. I wish I was making this up. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I find this really fascinating, honestly. Without a doubt. And if you don't know, if you, if you don't know these things, you're really, you're working in the dark. Uh, so true. And, and I feel like, you know, if we gain a better understanding of these things, we can help these peop people so at a much uh, better way. Yeah. yeah and yeah. if you, if you knew these cues, if you knew, no, Allah, I could use this as leverage to help this person. Yeah. I don't mean to be Machiavellian, yeah. but <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Why, why not? Remember yeah. what I said. Sometimes you have to figure out how to work around the system when you can't change it right now. Mm -hmm. Right? And That's why. Uh, while keeping an ethical compass. Keep that ethical compass. This, going back to your point, yes. you, are, you, know, you are working in the context of a family system, of a community, of a culture, of a society. You're not just working with... Um, the person who are sitting uh, who's sitting with you in the room and to me this is one of the most beautiful things about social work is that as a social worker I am trained to take all of that into account uh, I think um, I yani, when I'm sitting with someone I'm doing an assessment a needs assessment let's say as opposed to a diagnostic assessment I am taking into consideration the environment in which uh, they live in so that could be the family uh, or uh, uh, any significant other um, uh, or let's say people who live abroad or people who live alone people who live with extended family members right I'm taking into consideration uh, occupation uh, the environment at work um, what kind of challenges sometimes people come in with uh, issues that are made worse because of the occupational environment 
Um, same thing if I'm working with a student, I think about school, what challenges are there, uh, what the so socialization aspect at school is doing to whatever my client is coming with. Um, we talk about resources, which I have yet to see uh, discussed as much in, in a different field than social work. Does this client have the means to come to the appointment? Or what do they have to get through to come to the appointment? Right? Um, I've been working with some people who don't have cars. Mm -hmm. And when they have someone who gives them a ride is when they can come. So do I have the flexibility if they call me today and say, okay, someone can give me a ride in an hour or two. Can you see me? Right? Um, and but that's not true that's not true and then uh, resources um, I take for example culture which is something we're talking about today a, a, a bit extensively what um, implications on the person بس بسبة إنه هو يتعالج for a mental health condition. A lot of people come to do therapy or see psychiatry or take even a, a psychotropic medication بدون علم أي أحد. تلقى الشخص حتى he's going through that process alone. And so for me, being aware of that has a huge impact on the work that I do with them. احنا sometimes we take it for for granted مثلا انت الحين لو انت دكتور عام خلينا نقول وفي واحد او وحده عندهم سكر اوكي maybe sometimes you operate uh, uh, with the assumption that they have the support of someone ها اليوم تابع سكرك لا تاكل كذي ما هذا you assume so many things that aren't so necessarily true we can't do that because of the stigma right and we have to be very intentional and purposeful as providers to make ourselves aware of that. Am I working with a person who has the support, who has a, 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 a network of support of people who are not further stigmatizing their experience? Um, or am I working with someone who is walking in this path entirely alone? It's just me and them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, when you talk about family and community yes. and you're working not with just the person that's sitting with you in the room, uh, I think يمكن شيء لازم ننتبه عليه أكثر بالكويت إنه صح المكتوب بالبيبر صح لكن هذا إذا العائلة أو الكوميونتي أو القبيلة yes. عندهم علم. Yes, 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 yes. ويايين وعندهم علم وقاعد يعطون سبورت ولا مقاعد يعطون سبورت. شفت أحيانا ما أدري if you've experienced this إبراهيم maybe actually in, in the work you do maybe you experience it more someone comes in and they have five people with them very common and everyone wants to ask questions okay. everyone has an opinion and you have to, you have to navigate that uh, and uh, tying this into what you're saying into the point mentioned here about uh, diminished sense of self mm -hmm. uh, in this paper mm -hmm. and how well the group is important I'm being supported by all these people and they provide security and protection and all these things and belonging, identity, these things mm -hmm. are important in our lives but at the same time you have a diminished sense of self and the fate of an individual with ambitions or desires do not, that do not fit mm -hmm. in the individuals and the, the collective yeah. they are likely to be isolated yeah. this is just so true so, so real. true تخيل مثلا احنا الحين if we're talking about the things that we see تخيل شخص uh, that has uh, schizophrenia and is dealing with some type of uh, uh, auditory or visual hallucinations واعتقادهم ان هذا mental health condition that needs treatment that needs care very specific kind of treatment and care well, collectively, they are part of, they think this is something entirely different. Broadly. Broadly, you know, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
ما في شيء قاعد يصير. انت مو قاعد تطالع شيء منك انت قاعد تسمع يمكن صوت هنا كلها مثلا. سيرف ذا كوفلنت اوف تشير اب فهذا الشخص اللي قاعد يقول نو ذيس از ماي منتل هيلث نو ذيس از ان ايشو نو اي نيد تو تيك ميديكيشن وبس شد لا لا اصلا هذا خرابيط ف if we were being specific this is one of the things مثلا that I've come across and you've been you've been here longer than I have been Ibrahim you can tell me if this is something that you come across هني الشخص يبدي يخسر اصلا السبورت مال الجروب والكولكتيف لان اعتقادهم مختلف تماما you know it's interesting i think i've seen both ghazlan uh, i've seen families that actually are playing a very important and very good صح. role صح. and and i'm like i love this yeah. let's capitalize on yes. that Uh, and then at the same time, in the opposite of the spectrum, I see families that are quite destructive with yeah. the way they, they handle things, they handle, um, uh, you know, accepting their, their families. People talk about high EE and um, uh, how it actually, um, w- you know, doesn't help mm-hmm. with pa- patients with schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I feel like mm, it's, it's a double-edged sword sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the cases that are actually, um, that maybe don't fit into certain criteria, mm-hmm. a person who might have different value systems from their family. Mm-hmm. Someone who is like, okay, you guys are, you guys feel like this is part of your uh, deen or Islam, but I'm like, I have a different interpretation. Mm. For these people tend to be sometimes isolated. And it's, it's you know, how do you And until you get isolated. صح. Okay, fine. And uh, uh, you interpret your life in a different way. Yalla, And how can you function mm-hmm. in a, a society so intricately uh, structured yes. to function within a family? In a mesh. And to function with a family. It's, it's, it's very challenging, yes, if not a, a little impossible. It is. And it people is. talk about the door al-iwa' now and yeah. how the, yani, the, the homes, the, they need to be developed for a lot of the, the you know, domestic abuse, and a lot mm-hmm. of them, they don't know what to do. I think this is also tied into to, to what uh, we're talking yeah. about. But Sam, you bring an important point of the uh, families who are present, mm-hmm. the families who are taking an active role of uh, moving away from the stigmatized view and actually You know, seeing no harm and pursuing, okay, let's go and talk to someone uh, who's specialized. If this is going to help, I'm going to be there for you. And I've seen those families too in the short amount of time that I've been here. صراحة شيء يعني. يبرد الجبد. يبرد الجبد يعني بصورة مو بصورة خيالية لأن despite all the challenges that we're talking about today and the complexities. You find these examples, to me, they're, they, they're part of what keeps me going. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. So here it says family involvement and how uh, privacy, the issue of privacy. Mm. And maybe if we can uh, 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 touch upon that, privacy during actually the, the interview, the, the, the full management of the, the patient or the client, um, when they come to you and ask you, Shlona, Uh, so tell me what's happening <laughs> or answering very common thing mm. that I, I read in your paper Ay. answering for the client mm. <laughs> which I'm like mm. but why are you answering it's like la la la, la. Mm. we know we know this person more we'll than talk himself talk about the hierarchies that we talked about earlier and gender it plays a role in, in that mm-hmm. um, it also this is also um Uh, very relevant to what we talked about in terms of having that ethical uh, compass uh, slash guideline. Um, How do you navigate? Yeah. This is what I've come up with so far. Okay. Okay. I have a rule. The first time I sit with someone, it has to be just them. Okay. Um, at least for the first half, it has to be just them. If they insist they want someone, I am more open to that. I'm flexible, عادي. بس لازم يكون في chance بس أنا مع patient. Okay? فأنا هذه أقول لهم, I'm sorry, this is a policy. You know, we need to have at least uh, 30 minutes of the hour we're spending together alone. We're, after we're done with that, I'm going to call 
whoever is there who wants to come in with you uh, in and, and you can you know ask questions, you can tell me what you want to share, you can tell me your side of the story, whatever it is. At the same time, I limit the number of people sitting in my office and so at uh, uh, any given time I don't allow more than three people in total assessment treatment family session time constraints and limitations these are the rules that I've come up with myself and, and other clinicians are completely different um, and I always use uh, ال, ال, uh, you know if the shakhs, uh, or if the patient is uh, an adult or if they're a minor if they're a minor I still give them the alone time but I let them know that because they're minors whoever is their legal caregiver usually a parent uh, wants to talk or ask a question or spend five to ten minutes with me before or after their session that we are legally obligated to provide that um, and we can discuss maybe confidentiality a little bit more how much uh, and of course as providers we can assess what uh, might be a threat to share with a caregiver um, and what is okay to share right um, فهذيل أنا الروز I find الحين اللي أنا حطتهم I find they help me a lot لأن if you leave it open ended it it can get يعني out of control very easily وأنا أعتقد إنه ممكن يكون شيء مضر and طبعا أنا هذه الأشياء guidelines اللي أنا حطتها حق my personal practice they come from experience I, you know, many instances before I came up with these rules of five people coming in, everyone has a different uh, perspective. Everyone thinks some, يعني, this person needs to do this. And then into you're coming in for, let's say, an assessment or treatment. You're not coming to have me back you up on what you think is right for the person. Mm. All right? I am an unbiased, That's very objective provider mm -hmm. and my priority is what's in the interest of, of the patient or the client why did it happen to me for example the mother and the father say to me let me do it for example if he's white he's doing something tell me to do it or tell me to do it or tell me to do it and I'm like how do I work around that keeping in in, in, uh, in line with these unspoken rules of I cannot just tell you this is not you know, this is not okay. They see the therapist as a medium in which they yes. can exercise their authority yes, on the person. Yes, yes. And I hear they do it with doctors too. You can tell me. Yeah, yeah. All the time. Yes, yes. Very common. involvement of family or caregivers is something inevitable. I don't think it's أصلاً يعني in the best interest for us to move towards a, um, a setting where we completely remove that, okay? Again, because of the fact that we live in a collectivist society. Yeah. But there parameters, there boundaries, there um, uh, objectives mm -hmm. that we as providers have to be very aware of. We have to, يعني Would you make that, uh, would you say that to, to a... Uh, a family that uh, completely mm. absolutely and I've how, already how, been doing that sort of how would you you know, let's say I'm a, I'm a family member who's mm. a bit too I'm getting into the uh, mm. and you feel like you know this is not really related how would you approach me let's say how would you for our listeners okay okay ليش أدش بمتاهات؟ أنا أقول قانونياً. That is not negotiable. وايد حلو. Okay. It's I'm sorry. It's above me, right? It's above me. This is قانونياً. يعني I cannot go into details. بس بعدين يك ال ال minors. Okay. And what can you share with their caregivers? So we've covered the majority of the paper, and we're short on time. Um, is there anything you'd like to wrap up with, Ghazlan? Any points you feel like we haven't covered 
or maybe any take-home messages from our discussion today? Take-home messages. Take-home messages. Um, I'm uh, so grateful for you to, for giving me the opportunity to discuss this aspect of our field with uh, listeners, uh, hopefully other professionals in the field as well, because this is so important, mm -hmm. right? And it is not traditionally part of training um, for a lot of professionals um, in the field. Uh, I'm glad that today we got the chance to say, hey, this is something that you can bring into your practice, into your repertoire uh, of knowledge and tools um, on your own by reading papers like you and I did today. We yeah. read a published paper based on um, research. It's evidence-based, right? Yes. Evidence-based is very important. Uh, of course. Um, and uh, it's in the best interest of, of the people that you're serving. Um, and uh, having a biopsychosocial model perspective on the care that we provide, not just in the mental health uh, field, but healthcare. Uh, overall and specifically mental health, I want to say, um, is crucial. And uh, there are so many people like you who are interested in the topic and who are willing to sit down. I hope, uh, you know, that that's true, <laughs> willing to sit down and, and uh, talk about it more. Uh, Definitely, Ghazlan. And I I'm really appreciate uh, this opportunity for us to sit down and talk about this. Hopefully, I'm, I'm part of our goals in, in the KPRC um, is also to, to spread this, yeah. this, uh, this model, this evidence-based model to our practice. Yes. Uh, anyone who's listening, any mental health professional in Kuwait, uh, in the Gulf, you know, this is uh, related to their work. Absolutely. Uh, and يعني it's important. Thank you once again, Ghazlan, for this opportunity. Looking forward to, inshallah, maybe hosting you in uh, our future events. I would be more than happy to. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.